welcome back. Here we go again. Thanks for joining us for your comprehensive Saints FC preview for the 2019-2020 campaign. We're back after summer breaks and just generally keeping a low profile, to be honest. But we've plenty in store for you once again this season. But for now, join us for your complete season preview. It's been another mammoth task, so my apologies to you as to why this episode is coming just a little late. But we do cover almost everything there is to say about the summer, including transfers, pre-season results, expectations, predictions, as well as comments and clips from all the other excellent Saints podcasts, uh, bloggers, and YouTube channels. Of course, do let us know at any time in the comments your season predictions and your expectations for the season. And you might notice Further along in the episode, there are different sights and sounds because this show was, in fact, recorded over two days and two locations. So before we begin, I've got an exciting announcement to tell you all at home. We are stepping up the coverage once again this season and I'm now happy to announce that we have a radio show. I know what you're thinking. Yes, we've got the face for it. Great. Send us a comment. Um, but you can listen to us now on Saturday mornings from 10 till 12 on 103.9 Voice FM, available on the FM radio waves in the Southampton and surrounding areas, online and on the TuneIn radio app, so you can listen to us all around the world. We'll be playing some of your match day anthems and more, so just to get you in the mood for match day. But once again, this episode is available to download on all your good audio platforms so you can listen to us on the go or sit back now for the next 50 minutes on YouTube for our 2019-2020 Southampton FC season preview. So Nick, uh, we've spent £14 million on uh, Malian winger Musa Gineppo. What do we know of him? Well, we don't really know a lot about him at the moment. Uh, he, we know that he's played in the Tupola League in Belgium. Uh, but he was someone that was under our radar, or at least the fans' radar. So we've got to trust that Ralph and the club have got this one right. Um, all, all words and, and views of him in the Nations Cup or whatever he played in seem to be favourable. So, But yeah, from Standard League, age £14 million. Pounds. Uh, seems like a good signing. Uh, not sure about his uh, his hairstyle. It's uh, maybe fashioned on a pineapple. I don't know. Oh, let's not bring that one in. I mean, you're, you're a little bit too young to remember completely the uh, Nottingham Forest player who got known as Pineapple Head, and he still claims now that it, it, it affected him mentally. So, we'll, we'll footballers' hairstyles have gone on. When I was a, a lad, they all looked like Barry Manilow, but now they've all changed. And another new face then coming through the door. Uh, this, was, this was a saga that really kind of raged on from January, in fact. We were scouting hmm. around the Birmingham City striker, Che Adams. We finally got the deal across the line. We thought it wasn't going to happen, but it did. And uh, £15 million were paid for his signature from Birmingham City. 22 goals in the Championship last season. Hopefully, he can, if he can replicate any half of that uh, this season, then he'll be a good, good return on the investment. Well, uh, the problem is, he, for me, I'm a little bit worried because he started well. He scored after about, what was it, 36 seconds or something in his debut mm. against Preston. He then scored after about three minutes in the next game at away in Macau. But in final, it took him almost six minutes to get on the score sheet. So, you know, it's 
he's declining fast. <laughs> uh, hopefully, he'll, he'll, Ralph will have a word with him about that and say, let's get the goals in early this time. You know, keep it under three minutes and then we're, we're all happy. But on a serious note, he's looked good in pre-season. He looks to have a little bit of pace. He's offering something that we didn't have last year. Uh, and, it, and he seems to have an eye for a, a goal. His goal at final was a real poacher's goal where he pressed the defender, slid in and toe-poked at home. So we've got, we've got at the moment some good t- attacking options. And that, that leads us on to Danny Ings, who, OK, we all know about Danny, local lad here last season, and it's good to see his signing. I like Danny Ings. When Danny Ings plays, he's a very clever player. And again, a little bit like Shane Long. Those who only judge strikers on goals scored don't look at the overall pay. And I remember when we beat Wolves 4-1, some people in the pub were giving Danny Ings a lot of sticks, saying that, oh, he's rubbish, we shouldn't sign him, 20 million quid. And then match of the day, he gave him man of a match and said, look, isolate his play, he was involved in all the goals. So I'm a fan of Danny. So, so far we've done good business, but we all know, everyone knows in the city, you can ask newborn babies 12 hours after they were born, what do Saints need? And their first words will be a central defender. <laughs> uh, I guess if we, if we just rewind just very quickly on Che Adams, there are three goals and four uh uh, three goals in four games in pre-season. And yeah, you know, Danny Ings last season, it was 3-1, not 4-1, Nick. We've got to get these things right uh, last season against Wolves. But yeah, the link-up play, and it almost looks like a false nine, doesn't he? If we can keep him fit, he'll offer, you know, hopefully up to 10 goals this season, a few more assists, linking the play. Who knows what formation we might be playing? Is it going to be a two-up top or a 3-4-3, three, three, which we've seen this pre-season? Yeah, I mean, but the good thing about, again, what uh, Ralph, I, I hope he doesn't mind me calling him Ralph, but it's easier than calling him Ralph Hasenhutl all the time. Uh, the thing about Ralph is that Ralph changes sides for games. When it, when it, when we've got the opposition, if it merits 4-3-3 four, four, three, three, or if it merits 4-2-4 four, four, or it merits whatever, Ralph changes to play with it. And now he's got more options to be able to make those changes, especially attacking-wise. So... It's good. It's good. Uh, and I spoke to uh, some other uh, reporters a few weeks ago, in fact, and they asked me the same question, you know, uh, what has Ralph really bring into the side? And I said, look, he's got more to his locker. Uh, if we look at last season's manager, Mark Hughes, almost robotic on the, on the sideline, when we'd go 1-0 down or even 1-0 up, he wouldn't know how to see out a lead. We lost so many points mm. for winning positions, but... Ralph, in fact, has got more to his locker. Three, four, three, three, four, two, one, or four, two, 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 which he used to play with RB Leipzig. Yeah, I mean, it's a freshness he's brought. Uh, I mean, you look at managers now. Very few managers last very long at clubs. I mean, yeah, you get the likes of Arsene Wenger and it, and even Jurgen Klopp now has been at Liverpool for I think about five years. Uh, they. It's easy to stay in a job in the Premier League if you're winning stuff. It's not so easy if you're not. And very few managers these days stay more than two years. But what I think with Mark Hughes, Mark Hughes had become shell-shocked. He'd been, he'd been in management too long and he it had grown to be a chore, I think, for him. And he, he, he'd grown tired and he needs to go away and perhaps freshen himself up and come back at the man he was because he certainly wasn't the manager he'd been in the past at, at Saints. Ralph's fresh, fresh ideas, an enthusiasm. And I mean, I know Saints fans don't want to hear it, but, the, you know, they call him Klopp of the Alps. But 
the fact is that's what he's done. I mean, when you know Jurgen Klopp was running across the pitch, ironically, about two days before uh, Ralph joined us, uh, Klopp was getting pelters on message boards saying, uh, "Why, why, why is he doing that? It's a disgrace. He didn't shake hands with." the Everton manager and he ran across the pitch. But I thought I'd love that enthusiasm at Saints. And then literally the next day it broke when he was mm. coming over him. And that's what he brings. He infuses fans. Uh, and long may it continue. And I guess if we keep it to the theme of transfers in, then uh, you said babies that are born in the Southampton City will say uh, their first word, central defender. So I think it's quite mm. obvious what is still missing. And... Uh, you know, we, we, we've seen almost uh, last season, we saw an investment in 18 million on Yannick Vestergaard, perhaps an unsung hero. Um, it still remains to be seen how we're going to shape up. Is it going to be a three at the back of Yoshida with Bednarek and Vestergaard? Or is it going to be, might well be Vestergaard and Bednarek? I mean, you've got Vestrick and Bednarek. Don't rule out Wesley Ho. I mean, he's come back in. I mean, at this very moment in time, the club are desperately trying to land the central defender they want but they can't seem to do so. So they've got to go with, you know, less than a week left to go now. They've got to go to plan B, which is we've got to work with what we've got, which is not going to be the best thing. But at the end of the day, if we take Ralph's points per game total uh, last season, and if he repeats that again with the same players, given that we've got at least two genuine new additions in Adams and Gigenepo, there's no reason to fear anything next season. If we look at Danny Ings uh, fee, it was 18 million with rising to 20 with an extra two on add-ons and appearances. That could well break our, our record transfer fee. It could be, and hopefully it could. A friend of mine in Liverpool said, when I spoke to him about our upcoming game, said, put money on Danny Ings being the Premier League's top scorer next year. And, you know, he's a good player. He can score goals. He'd been out injured a long time, hadn't played a lot at Liverpool, and he picked up a couple of niggling in injuries, but now he's fit again. And hopefully he'll show... I don't expect him to be Premier League top scorer, but he's capable of getting 14, 15 goals. Well, then he played really sort of half a season last year, didn't he? And he mm. scored when well, he was then the top scorer, wasn't he? Held, uh, yeah. held it with Nathan Redmond to seven goals each. Yeah, he was still top scorer, as you say, and he got all of those goals basically before Christmas. So if he can repeat the second half, first half of the season, last season, in both halves this... I think we've got a hell of a player on the way. Welcome back then. We're talking more transfers this time. It's transfers out. And uh, Saints have actually recouped a lot of money this summer through players that were fringe. And even as we sort of teased uh, before the adverts and the the, first, the second group of songs. So the second chance saloon. Let's start there, though, first of all. You were mentioning Wesley Hoot. Uh, before the break. Uh, but we're also looking at Sofiane Bouffel, who's come back after the African Cup, along with Cedric Suarez, who all three looked like they had no hope under Ralph uh, at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always been a fan of Wesley Hu. I, I think he, he came into his side and he came into a back three that wasn't very good. and Or back four that wasn't very good. We, we had Bertrand out, we had injuries. We we you know we had Yoshida and Jack Stevens. Wesley Hu, we had... Uh, Virgil van Dijk playing up. Hope came into it a difficult time, but I didn't think he was the worst defender, but he was one of those players. And Nathan Redmond was one as well that the crowd didn't take to. For whatever reason, the crowd 
got hold of something that Hope had done. I think it was the when he got caught trying to do a coif turn at Bournemouth and conceded the goal. And they took that, never forgave him. From that moment onwards, he was always public enemy number one, despite the fact he wasn't the worst defender in a, in literally any game, no matter what people say. He got the blame at Fulham, which was his last appearance. Mm-hmm. But all he tried to do was he got a clearance charge down. The other, All three goals came from a bloke six yards unmarked. Well, and it wasn't who it was meant to be marking him. So I like Wesley Hoot. I was disappointed to see him go. And there was something there because Ralph uh, famously said that everyone would get a chance and Wesley Hoot didn't. And I think between them, they'd agreed that it was better for him to go out on loan. And he did. He's back now. Ralph has said that he's going to get another chance and that he's going to give him the chance. And if we don't sign anyone, we might need him. So... I would say, you know, say to everyone, be open-minded about Wesley Hoot. We were Nathan Redmond has recovered and become a, a crowd pleaser, so there's no reason why Wesley Hoot shouldn't uh, shouldn't be. He's not done anything wrong as a person. He hasn't badmouthed the club. He's merely got even when he was under provocation, he's just played his game, gone off, gone away on loan, come back, knuckled down, trained, and did everything. So now we've got to see if he has to stay. We need players in that position because to be honest Jack Stevens and Yoshida aren't the answer in my opinion you're playing devil's advocate here would be an unpopular opinion actually because you know you 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 quite like a balanced uh, an opinion on on the reports and the stories and that but you know Wesley Hoot he almost had a bit of a sulk as well around sort of January time. He went away to Celta Vigo didn't have a, the greatest of uh, debuts I think it was an own goal or or, or sent off but he also removed any information about Southampton FC on his profiles. Would you, if you had 25,000 people plus giving you a stick every week, would you be that bothered about having it on your profile? I mean, but did he, but he didn't bad mouth as he just went away and did what he did. He didn't turn around and go, the fans were rubbish or all the club was rubbish or their managers. And look, one man that joined in there actually for the remainder of the season, uh, the Moroccan uh, winger, the Moroccan Messi, as you said, sort of a season or so ago when he put, uh, sort of uh, uh, trickled that ball in after weaving round the entire West Brom uh, midfield and, mm. and defenders. But Sofian Bufal, yet again, got his head down uh, at Celta Vigo. I think he was also, uh, he had the most successful dribbles of the entire La Liga last season. He's come back, looks like he's raring to go, willing to prove himself once again and it appears to be in Ralph's plans. Yes, I mean, he's, again, he's another one who's back. But now I, I, I like Sofia Mbavao. He's a good player. He can do the spectacular. My worry for him going forward is that it's fine dancing around a final defender and firing in from, you know, eight yards. Good, great goal. Well taken goal. It's fine doing that. But you've got to be able to do it week in, week out in the Premier League. And unfortunately... Sofian Bafal, and I've got no problem with him if he stays. I'll back him. It's all about work rate in the Premier League, and is he going to fit the uh, the profile that Ralph wants of pressing and running and that? He's good with the ball. It's off the ball, but you've got to ask questions. And yes, Sofian Bafal, you would argue it against Burnley at home. You might play any day of the week, but you wouldn't want to play him possibly at Anfield or the Etihad. <laughs> He's a luxury player, isn't he? You know, and to make up the three musketeers in in the second chance saloon, Cedric Suarez again was uh, was shipped out on loan to Inter Milan. Didn't have too many appearances, and uh, it turns out that he, he wasn't fancied by Inter. 
has has come back again, got his head down. Uh, and, you know, he was displaced last season under, uh, of Jan Valery, who seems to be the first team choice at the moment. But again, you know, Cedric can offer a lot more. Uh, he's also a different type of player to Jan Valery. Yeah, definitely. You know, Jan Valery's still young. He's still a little bit impetuous, Valery. He got sent off at Leicester. Um, you know, we, we've got no other cover on the right at this moment in time. So if Cedric had to stay... It, it wouldn't be bad. I mean, I think the club would rather get eight, nine million pounds for Cedric. But uh, if we don't get it, then Cedric Stern's not a problem. I mean, going on to that, staying on the transfer vows and last chance saloons and players who we're trying to ship out, the problem that we've got this season is the, you know, the disparity between the transfer windows in Europe and in, in England. Mm. And the feeling is, I think, amongst football is a lot of the European clubs, i.e., for instance, who are maybe interested in Cedric, abiding their time till the transfer window closes in England, when although you can't buy players in, in Premier League sides, you can still sell them. And I think that... People will be coming in, in when the transfer windows closes and throwing in stupid offers at the likes of Cedric and, and Hope and even Sofiane Buffal. But it's no no real movement yet. Mm, and I think it's a lot a lot of a lot of movement will happen in the last few days of the of the window next week. But if we look at the actual the income that we've managed to receive this summer, we've got fourteen million for Matt Target. It was reported up to around seventeen, but fourteen million pounds for a young 22-year-old left-back Matt Target, a local lad, grown up, uh, supporting Southampton. Didn't play too many games last season, but was always there as, as a second choice. I mean, it, Target, I think Matt Target played around about, between, uh, you know, approaching 20 league games, approaching half the season. I mean, never let us down. He's a good player. I like Matt Target, but he got to, I think he's just about to turn 24. So he's at an age where he's either going to need first-team football or... He's going to just stagnate, and I think the problem with Matt Target is he's he's a good he's a little bit like Luke Shaw for me. He's a, a traditional left back. He's not a wing back. Ryan Bertrand can play left back, or he can play as a wing back and get up and down that line. Whereas Matt Target can't get up and down the line. He can get up the line, but you know he can't get back too too quickly. He uses the ball with Matt Target. It's all about using the ball. Matt. Target can use the channels, he can cross them deep, he's accurate. And I just don't think, I think it's a bit of bad timing for Matt. Just at the time he's got Ryan Bertrand, he's probably got another year left in him at the really, really top level. And Matt Target hasn't got another year to sit as his deputy. So I think, I, I just think well, a little bit of a wrong place, wrong time for Matt. But uh, another player that was also the crossroads in his career, uh, really sort of failed to make his uh, an impression or break into the first team, uh, Sam Gallagher. We, we've managed to recoup £5 million from Blackburn Rovers. Yeah, I think Sam Gallagher uh, reminds me of Sam Vokes, who, although never played for the club, was a big Saints supporter and came from the Southampton area, in the fact that Sam had gone to Wolves from Bournemouth and Sam Vokes this season and stagnated a bit. Wolves had got back in the Premier League at that time and I think were up and down, and he had to leave Wolves and go to Burnley in the championship and he carried Burnley up to the back up to the premiership and had a good had good few years in the premiership uh and I think that's what Sam Gallagher needs I I just 
I think he needs to go to a club that believes in him. And clearly Saints had better options than him. And, you know, was he a better player than Ings? No. Was he a better player than Shea Adams? Probably not. Jeanette Poe coming in, even Charlie Austin scoring goals. Uh, so he's gone, he's gone away. Good luck to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope that we see Sam Gallagher in the Premier League again at St Mary's. Sadly, it probably won't be a Saints yet, but I think he'll have a good career ahead. So we're in a different location now then to continue our season preview of 2019-2020 Southampton season. Nick's on the line this time, not in the studio with me. So, uh, Nick, we've obviously spoke about summer transfers, ins and outs. Uh, what have we made of the summer transfer business? Has it been so far so good? Well, it, it's been so far so good, uh, but all the work has been done early doors, as they say, to cliche it. Uh, now we just need to rush something over the line in the cu- past couple of days as such. problem is, as we've shown against Colne on Saturday, we're good going forward. We look good going forward. Shea Adams looks good. Danny Ings we know about and he looked good. And Jennifer Poe in his 11 minutes looked promising. But the the problem still remains that we have not got a central defender to lead to lead the line, and I mean lead the line, not just stand in the back line. Um, there's a lot of meltdown about this, and uh, on social media and bedwetting, as we call it. Mm. But the fact of the matter is, yes, we need a central defender, but if we don't get one in the transfer window. That doesn't mean that it's all doom and gloom in the fact that Ralph Hasenhutl took the side uh, to a, a, a reasonable second half of the season with, without a, a central defender. If he's got to run with the same defence, then so be it. He's got a stronger squad at the front end of the pitch, so hopefully that should keep us well out of relegation trouble. So... Yeah, it's a it will it's a disappointment we haven't got one yet, but we've got to we've got to just go with what we've got. It's difficult to obviously say at the moment until we sort of really get going. But what sort of impact do you think they'll have, and how and where they'll fit in? Uh, Ralph has, has toyed with various different formations in pre-season. Yeah, I mean that that's a good thing about Ralph Hasenhutl is he can change formation as and when the situation arises, and he's now getting a squad that can do that a little bit like Ronald Koeman could a few years back. So you know when we look at players like Shay Adams, they can, you can play him as a striker, you can play him as a wide player. Uh, so that they, you know you don't have to stick to a rigid formation. Danny Ings is a very, very clever player, although not a very clever penalty taker, as we saw. <laughs> uh, but Gineppo, uh, again, looked like he, you know, although perhaps not physically imposing, he looked like one of those players that wasn't afraid to get stuck in, chase back Harry and, and win the ball. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully he'll offer us something. So, so I'm quite hopeful going forward. It's defensively that the worry is. This is the difficulty no. though, isn't it? You know, we've got all of these sort of players that are on the fringe and, and perhaps even frozen out as it appears to be a, a handful of them sort of over the last sort of six months or so. But who are the suitors? It's difficult to do that. And we know now, of course, um, once this video comes out, the transfer, will, transfer window will be closing on Thursday evening at five o'clock. But the European transfer window remains open until the end of uh, August. 
Well, that's the problem is in the fact that, you know, notoriously clubs in transfer windows don't want to do business to the last minute. They want to hold out to get the best price of their players. So there'll be clubs in Europe who will be saying, well, you know, the best price we're going to get from an English club might not be the best price we'll get if we hold on another two weeks when the window shuts with the rest of the continent. So on voting to bring the transfer window forward, I think we as English clubs have shot ourselves in the foot in the fact that foreign clubs aren't conducive to a good bid because they well, we want to hold out for a couple of weeks. And in contrast, they're going to be... Uh, raiding us at the last moment, knowing that we've got players there that, you know, we want want shot off. So at the last minute, they'll go, you've got a top heavy squad, you might as well get rid of them. So uh, I think it's been an, a, a, a you know, disaster really in the fact that the transfer window, we've moved it forward two weeks and the rest of Europe. Mm. And, and as you said sort of earlier on in the studio, you know, you said even newborn babies in the, in the Southampton City General Hospital uh, their first words will be, where is the centre back? And, uh, you know, of course, we've got a few clips from uh, regular guests and uh, podcasters, hosts. And uh, here's what they had to say, how they thought uh, the transfer business uh, of Southampton this summer. With regards to signings uh, this summer, it's been really quiet. But once again, it's been another transfer window that's more been trying to right the wrongs of previous transfer windows and focusing more on outs than ins because I genuinely think that we're a good side at the moment. Um, I think that one decent experienced centre-back will put us in a position of being an excellent side. And then I would kind of revise my season prediction. If we get an excellent centre-back, I can say that we can kind of, you know, look between 8th and 10th, maybe even 7th if we push it. I know that's an ambitious one, but that's what I think. With a full pre-season under Hassan Hootel, and the board showing genuine ambition with the signings of the prolific Shea Adams, an exciting winger, Musa Gineppo. I think Saints are in for a much more promising season this time around. Now, it may be argued that we still look weak at the back and could do with another centre-half being brought in before the window closes. However, Wesley Hoyt has returned from his loan spell and perhaps Ralph thinks that he can reinvigorate him as he has done with so many others. In terms of summer transfers, I'm happy with what we've got so far. In Musa Gineppo, there's an excitement um, I haven't really seen a lot of him, but I know that he's, you know, quick, hungry, young. Um, but I can't wait to see what he can offer next season. Shay Adams, yeah, absolutely delighted with that signing. I've seen a lot of him with Birmingham last season and snippets, you know, this preseason. He looks clinical, works hard on and off the ball. Another that fits our structure. I'm not sure he's going to be able to find the space and time to score 22 goals in the Premier League. But, you know, it's going to be an improvement on last season anyway. You know, goal scorer is what we really need. I'd love to see us sign a young, available centre-half that fits our club ethos. Um, but yeah, it has been a quiet market. And it's difficult to find these players without, um, you know, for these favourable prices. And we rightly won't pay over the odds and panic by. One more signing, another centre-back, and I'll be content. Happy with Jay Adams. Uh, I think he's the sort of player that his style of football is ideally suited to the Premier League. And he will do very well for us. Uh, excited about the partnership, potential partnership with Danny Ings. Musa Gineppo, don't know anything about. Um, I just hope people are patient with him because he's not going to be the finished article straight away. I see him more as an impact sub to start with. And uh, hopefully he will, uh, he will prove to be a valuable addition. But I think uh, patience with both of them. 
I think is the order of the day. Outgoing, uh, Gallagher, Classy, Target. Um, they all needed to go and it's a good move for them and it's a good move for the club and it's a good move for the clubs that they're moving to. Uh, so good moves all around. So in regards to the summer transfer activity, I've been relatively pleased. Actually, I think the acquisitions of Chairdams was a pretty big one and he's already proved in preseason he's a goal scorer. Musa Danyepo also looks very good, but I think he's perhaps going to need a bit more time. Just thinking back to last summer when we signed Elianusi, he was a supposed skillful winger with pace, but really didn't quite cut it in the Premier League. And after seeing Danyepo in the Africa Cup of Nations, he looked pretty good, but he also looked like he was being muscled off the ball and lacked a bit of confidence in front of goal so who better to install that confidence in them than Ralph Hasenhutl. As for returning loan players I really think we've got something in Sofiane Buffal. Clearly he has skill and I just think that needs nurturing by someone like Ralph to get his discipline where it should be and make him Premier League standard. You know he did so many things with our underperforming players last season. You just can't help but think he must be able to do something with Sofiane Buffal. One other thing we may need I'm recording this on the 2nd of August 2019 and as of yet we haven't signed any defensive players. So we either need to bring someone in or Ralph has seen that with the likes of Wesley Hoot coming back, Yoshida, Jan Bednarek and Yannick Vestergaard, we have enough in defence. And perhaps some of those younger players in the under 23s. Uh, although we were able to bring in Che Adams and Musa Janepo early on in the window, signed Danny Ings primarily, which we knew was going to happen. Uh, our inability to sign a centre-back and really shift off uh, some of the people who are just maybe not good enough for the squad that need to go elsewhere because of the wages we put them on and the contracts we put them on. I think that is going to uh, cause us some issues later, mostly because I think it'll restrict Rob Hassenhudel from being able to play the 4-2-2-2 that he wants to play and force us to play three at the back, which uh, is not the worst thing in the world. But uh, to rank Southampton's transfer dealing so far in the summer transfer window would give us a 5 out of 10. I like the fact that Southampton got a lot of their business done early with Che Adams, Musa Gineppo, um, and tying up Danny Ings permanently. Um, however, there are still problems to be addressed, particularly in defence. Um, we have a week left of the transfer window. Um, by the time I'm recording this, so hopefully um, everything will be addressed in that time. Um, so not not terrible, not great. There's still problems to be solved um, and hopefully they will. So the transfer window, you know, I've been quietly impressed with our transfer business. I think it's more the fact that we've actually done it early. Um, bringing in Adams mainly, he's the one that obviously you know a very good signing there, and we needed to find another goal scorer. But you know the defense still hasn't been in, um, improved, and I'm a little bit worried about that. Not as worried as some fans I've seen on social media saying they've had sleepless nights about it. It's more you know the fact that our backup is just not good enough. Yannick Vestergaard and Jan Bednarek will be fine in my opinion. I think with a full preseason with Ralph Hasenhutl playing together, I think that'll be absolutely fine. It's whether or not one of them get injured with a long-term injury, especially where our backup, you know, we're just screwed. Wesley Hoyt and Jack Stevens, we know they're not good enough. Yoshida, he's getting on a bit now. I hate to say it, but he is. Um, Christoph Clark does look all right from the end of 23. He's got his goal in China. So we'll see what happens there, but we really do need to still bring in a centre-back. Otherwise, you know, it won't be the top half season that we want. I think as I reflect on the transfer business as a whole, I would definitely have liked Tufts to have done a bit more. But look, we brought in a couple of really good players. Che Adams looks a good value signing in terms of what we paid for him. He's got some power. He's got some pace. He's definitely going to offer us something up top. He's got a couple of goals in pre-season, which will give him some confidence. And I think as a young player who's definitely keen to prove himself in the Premier League, hopefully that will reap the rewards from a Saints point of view. In terms of Genepo, I don't really know lots about him. I know he's had a good African Nations Cup, so hopefully he'll come into the squad 
squad full of confidence as well. He looks tall, he looks pacey. Hopefully will give us a, a nice balance alongside Nathan Redmond on the other wing. I would definitely have liked us to have signed a centre-back by now. I think that's the one area that I'm certainly a little nervous about. So I think really, you know, there's a couple of weeks to go before the end of the transfer window. Hopefully we can get rid of some of the senior players that Ralph doesn't want and try and get that centre-back in before the summer. So look, Nick, the uh, general opinion then, uh, as the babies are coming out, the wombs in the Southampton hospitals asking for that central defender, the general consensus quite happy with the appointment so far. They're quite happy with this thing that's just going forward. But all pretty much unanimous in saying, where is that centre-back? Exactly. I mean, since we're uh, in the time that we've been watching the clip, two babies have been born in the Princess <laughs> Anne unit and, and both of them have said, have we signed a centre back yet? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's probably that's probably telling us all we need to know. I mean, in fairness to the club, but you know, Ralph Hasenhut was spoken about the problem. They know that we've got a problem. They know that we need to do it. But when you look at the likes, you know, some of the players that have gone over. I mean, what was it? You know, Brighton have paid twenty million for Adam Webster, a player unproven at Premiership level. Brighton signed Matt Clark. For, I think five, six million and promptly loaned him to Derby. Mm. Uh, Harry Maguire going to Manchester United for a, a world record for a defender, 80 million. You know, it's not just as easy to snap your fingers and bring in the right player. And uh, as quickly as the fans will moan about not signing a centre-back, they will moan uh, as they do, have done about Elianusi and, and the rest. If we sign one for 20 million, and he turns out to be a dud. You know, you've got to pick your players carefully and choose them carefully. And as I say, we've got to do something different at centre-back next year. And perhaps that we're going to get the same results at the back. We've just got to hope that as a stronger squad, we can perhaps pick up a few more points than we did in the first half of the season and stay out of relegation trouble. And I'm confident that we can do. But if we don't sign something, when we've got to sign something, try something different, then that perhaps involves re reintegrating Wesley Hoot under Ralph Hasenhutl and seeing if, you know, Ralph can work his magic there. And it's also about perhaps we look at someone like Christoph Clara and see if they they can come into the first team picture. I mean, he played in Macau and scored, you know, I know that's different from the Premier League, but you've got, perhaps we've got to try something a little different if it comes to that. Uh, as, as I often say, you do the same things, you get the same results. You know, even sort of some of the clips suggesting that they're willing to give Hoot a chance as long as sort of Ralph believes in him. And, you know, obviously Ralph turned around the fortunes of sort of Redmond, Ward, Prowse, Hoiberg last season. So who's to say that he can't maybe do that with perhaps Buffal, with Hoot, and even Cedric to an extent as well. But to, uh, to I guess, to extend on your comment on Christoph Clara, he did score in pre-season out in Macau. You went to Hong Kong and Macau to experience that. It seems like your annual Far East trip as well. But to just round off our pre-season results, uh, started off with a one-all draw with Altac. Adams scoring after 112 seconds, two minutes, followed by uh, a 3-1 victory at Preston. Ings uh, offering both goals and uh, Jake Vokens, another youngster on the score sheet. There's your 4-0 victory against Jiangzhou RNF. Uh, goals from Adams again, really quick goal from, from Adams Long, Valerie and Clara on the score sheet. And a 3-1 sort of comfortable victory in Feyenoord. Adams once again, an early uh, an early goal. He's building himself a big reputation here. So if, if he doesn't score within five minutes against Burnley, we're all going to be clutching at straws. But uh, to extend on that, then Yoshida... 
Buffal also getting on the score sheet and to round off pre-season nicely and, and unbeaten no less. Uh, Danny Ying scores a penalty and Hoiberg with an excellent uh, team goal uh, finishing off uh, pre-season with a 2-0 victory against FC Cologne. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, you know, an unbeaten pre-season, but that means nothing. I mean, it, on reflection, it was a, a, a little bit easier pre-season than we perhaps wanted. You know, we started off with all tack, you know, perhaps the weakest of the, the sides or the European sides. You know, we stepped up a, a little bit. We pressed in a championship side. We've then gone to uh, play uh, in Macau. And they, you know, they were a side that were poor. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, two thirds, three quarters academy side who beat them. Uh, Feyenoord, oh, a good test, but they're... They're, you know, they're not in the strongest league in the world and, you know, it's nowhere near the pace of the Premier. You would have hoped that Colm would have given his bigger test, but for one reason or another, they didn't. So, All right. So um, season expectations to round off our our pre-season preview, if you like. Um, The general sort of comments across all the social media platforms, it seems quite uh, unanimous that would be quite... Uh, satisfied with a, a ninth to a fifteenth place finished as well, and um, we've got plenty more clips from our from our regular guests coming in right now. Let's see what they have to say. Hi, this is Ben Stroud of the Archers Road End. Uh, I think that we're going to have a fairly decent season this season. Uh, we've had a strong pre-season. It's great to win all of our games. I mean, it means very little ultimately because we've had some dreadful pre-seasons followed by some uh, excellent. Uh, full seasons Um, but I really do think that Ralph has got the team fit and focused and most importantly I think he's bringing the best out of not just the new players we're bringing on board but also the players that we've currently have I'd be happy with anything between uh, 13th and uh, 10th so you know mid-table mediocrity I would like for, for us to not go into the last few weeks of the season having to worry about anything all in all, I think anywhere between 7th and 14th in the table come season's end is easily attainable. And I look forward to seeing the Saints much more competitive this time around. Expectations are obviously higher than, than they were last season. Ralph has had a whole summer to prepare. He's had pre-season matches, his own signings. Um, and there's been a complete board restructure. Hopefully the bad decisions under the previous board are, you know, are behind us. New plans are already in place. It does feel like a new era. Martin Simmons seems to have a clearer strategy. There's more of a long-term plan. Um, and, you know, things are supposed to be more transparent in terms of communication and future signings. And I do have a good feeling about the coming years. League position, uh, realistically, we can't look above ninth. And I wouldn't say we, I wouldn't expect us to drop any lower than 15th. Um, but gun to my head, I'm going to say 12th. I just hope we can stay mentally sharp and eradicate those late, you know, those late goals. And with VAR coming into account, we're more likely to be playing eight to ten minutes standard. Um, so I expect a big improvement uh, to address this issue. Well, my own expectation for the season is to have no relegation battle. Um, don't want to be looking at the bottom of the table. Um, expect us to finish between tenth and fourteenth. Um, if we can get a couple of players in um, to bolster the squad then, you know, we, we could easily push for that sort of 10th place, top half place. Um, but I just don't want us to be anywhere near the bottom. And the other expectation is for uh, more young players to come through. 
I'm looking at Callum Slattery and Will Smallbone as the two that are most likely to. As for my predictions for the 2019-2020 campaign, I think we should be aiming for around mid-table. Touching distance Europa League spots would be pretty good. So somewhere between 7th and 10th, I think, is a sensible goal for this campaign. I really don't think we should be anywhere near those relegation places. But I think realistically, somewhere mid-table is sensibly where we should be aiming for. In terms of where I think we'll finish the season, I'm not sure we'll finish in the top 10. I'm not sure we'll be in a relegation fight. I think we'll be somewhere in the middle. Uh, and I think that mid-table obscurity might be a good thing for us. Just for now, it'll allow Ralph to focus on the type of football that he wants to play, which I think will be more entertaining than we've seen in any of the last couple of seasons. I think that's really what we want. So uh, I'll take a 12th or 13th or 14th place finish uh, with some good football, uh, and we'll look just to build further for the future. Realistic expectations for the season ahead. Um, I'd like to see us avoid a relegation battle and just improve on our 16th position last year to sort of get back on that trend of improving year on year like we had under Pochettino and then Ronald Koeman. Um, hopefully we can do that. I think that is a realistic expectation. In terms of prediction, I think, um, I'd like to think anyway, we'll finish in a position of around 14th in the Premier League table. Um, and I would snap your arm off for that right now. As always, I'm quietly confident ahead of a brand new season of Slamden. I think we've got a really serious manager on our hands now who can take this team into the top half of the table, which is something we haven't talked about for the last, what, two years, three years. Um, fantastic. I absolutely adore Haas and Hittle. And finally, it looks like we've got a really serious attack on our hands, which is something we haven't said for a good number of years now. It looks like we can be scoring goals. I think the less said about the defence right now, the better. But if we're, <laughs> if we're winning games 4-3 instead of 1-0, you know, bring it on. I think all the fans would take that as long as we're winning. Maybe not their health because of the stress levels, but if we're winning games, that's all that matters. And I do think that this year we're good enough to push for top 10. I, I dare, Do I dare to dream of Europe? Probably not. But I think now we just have to sort of stay real, stay humble and realise that 12th, 11th would be a good finish as well. And potentially will push into that top half. I think after the last couple of seasons that Saints have had, most of us would take mid-table obscurity and I'm no different. I think that sort of 9 to 14th bracket is definitely a position that Saints should be looking at. If they have a really good season, which the fixtures haven't been particularly kind in terms of start, then there's no reason that they can't finish in the top half of the table. But I definitely think that we'll be a lot more comfortable. There's a lot of confidence around, I think, with Ralph. And in terms of, you know, where Saints can finish, my prediction would be sort of 12th to 13th. I think hopefully we can be more entertaining at home, try and win a few more games. Games. defensively I'm still worried as I mentioned but uh, certainly in terms of going forward and pace up front I think there's definitely goals in the Saints team so I think ultimately like most of us I'm just looking for a more exciting season that gives us plenty of positives to talk about there's going to be some bumps along the way but as long as they sort of even themselves out then hopefully we can have an enjoyable season and finish comfortably and not have to be uh, looking over our shoulder in terms of relegation so fingers crossed for a good season and I'm going to go for a sort of 12th to 13th finish. So there you have it then, um, fairly unanimous across our sort of guest panel there, if you like. Uh, Mid-table obscurity, Nick, would you take that this season to be far away from relegation woes? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we all moaned three years ago when we finished eighth and got to the League Cup final under Claude Puel and so many people saying, oh, I can't justify paying to watch this rubbish and that. But football seasons vary, you know. Very few teams can out, you know, beat the last season, season in, season out. Even Manchester City, 
haven't won the title every year since they've thrown money at it. So we've got to take the rough with the smooth sometime. And we, we had the smooth and then we had a little, a little bit of rough times and we've come through them. We've had our downside. We know what the problems have been and we solve those problems. In Ralph Hassenhoek, we've got a good progressive manager. Um, if we can get a central defender, then I would say that we've got a good chance of a top 10 finish. But we've got to bear in mind that teams like Everton are, are willing to throw a lot of money in, in to try and finish in seventh. So are Wolves, you know. So it's not going to be easy to break in there. But as Burnley showed, and indeed we have showed it to, over the last few years, you can finish seventh and then struggle. So it, virtually every team is capable of finishing between seventh and 20th, apart from the first six. So... With a good central defender, I think we could challenge for, you know, we could look at ninth and we could hope for maybe scraping eighth or seventh. If we don't get a central defender, I think we're looking at somewhere between 10th and 13th. Uh, but I think that's as low as it'll go. I, I think we're quite capable of beating some good sides. I think we're quite capable of picking up enough points to keep in mid-table obscurity. And and what we've got to look at is, you know, going for that mid-table obscurity and then trying to steal a, a cup. Well, to round off then our, our season expectations, we sent and offered the question over on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram. I'm sure there's hundreds on forum as well. But uh, good to hear from Mike again as well. He said, expect a hard season. Would What I'd like as a 20-plus goal scorer, I hope Adams is it. That's, huge, uh, that's a huge call there for Mike. Uh, but obviously want to concede less goals, don't want to be thinking about relegation at all, and I'd like to finish higher than last season. That would be progress. It would be. I mean, but again, uh, with all respect to Mike, how many players outside of the top six hit 20 goals these days? Jamie Vardy? That's probably about it. Mm. You know, he's probably, you know, you just don't get it anymore. You know, when you look at the top goal scorers, it, it, you can get into the top 10 as such with 12 goals. You know, you get 12 goals in the Premier League and you're in the top 10 goal scorers. There might be 15 in that top 10 placings because you've got, you generally get four or five on 12. But you get 12 goals in a the season these days for a non top six side, and that's good going. So, we, we, you know, season's expectations. Yeah, it'd be lovely to have a top 20 goal scorer, but you get someone who scores 20 goals and they're not going to be in a top six side very long because they could get, you know, they can get 30 for a top six side. Mm. And I'm not being pessimistic here because I'm not one of these doom and gloom, meltdown, bedwetting people. <laughs> but what I am being is realistic and I'm trying to set realistic expectations. Given Leicester's position and the way they played over re re previous years, would you put... Shay Adams, a man with no Premier League experience, ahead of Jamie Vardy in the betting stakes. Mm. Tough I would call. say perhaps not. And then a few more comments from uh, from our Facebook uh, for users, if you like. Paul Hodder says, "Great going forward, but need a commanding centre back to organise the defence." Yep, exactly what we've been sort of mm. saying earlier on. Quite unanimous across most of the fan base, really. Sean O'Neill says, "Around 14th or 15th centre back needed." And Cyhorn says a quality centre back needed with a luck of injury on uh, with some luck on the injury front and a full season under Hasenhutel. Then anything between seventh to tenth centre back situation and is 
a few key injuries, um, then we could well be seeing ourselves between 12th and 15th. Reasonable. We've got to look at where the league sits. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not just about signing key players. You know, undoubtedly, with the Premier League these days, you've, you need your you need your rub of green in injuries, you need rub of green in suspensions, and you need your rub of green in fixtures. There's lots of factors that you can't odds, you know, and that is the form of a club at the time. The fact that you might meet a, you might meet a, a good club with a few suspensions and injuries and pull off a win. You might be a bad club when you, we've got suspensions and injuries and, and struggle. You know, we, we, we seem to meet all the bottom three sides at the wrong time last year. You know, we played at Fulham, we played at Cardiff at a time when, you know, they were going well. Mm. But so the, you know, the general feelings anywhere between ninth and 15th, but Matthew Dev uh, with a wicked comment on, uh, on Twitter, whatever the position we finish, it will certainly be higher than Pompey. That's true. Uh, <laughs> my God, he is a mathematician to uh, admire. And that's it. We've got to look for, look at that and say, a few a couple of years ago, we we some people said at times when Paul Pure was getting a bit of stick and we were struggling a little bit, be careful what you wish for. Um, and we'd lost, a few people had lost the plot, I think, in sight of the expectations we had. Because they looked and they were thinking of how it used to be when you could push on. Uh, but now it, the Premier League has just changed so much. Let's be realistic about it. We, we can have good, exciting seasons, but it ain't going to be in the Champions League, as one of our former chairmen predicted. Mm. Let's, you, you know, it's a season. Let's enjoy it. It's about enjoying it. If, you go, if anyone's going to St Mary's in the hope of winning, get, winning the league or, you know, they're in the wrong place. We we know that. We've got to be realistic. Uh, but can we finish? Could we scrape a seventh position? Yeah. Could we have a good go at it? Definitely. Could we get into Europe? Yeah. Could we win a cup? Yes. Look at what we are, not what other clubs are, and judge you know judge ourselves by what we can do. And you know I I I believe in having ambition, but ambition has to be realistic. Uh, it's no use me saying, yeah, my ambition is to go and score 20 goals for Saints this year. If Shay Adams isn't going to do it, I'm definitely not going to do it. So it's got to be realistic ambition. And if we have that, then we can have a nice settled football club. Because Ralph Hasenhut was saying, and, you know, he, this is why I know some of the things that the Saints voice are doing about trying to get flags and songs. Ralph Hasenhut is used to fans that, as they are in Germany, where they're boisterous, they're loud, they're 100% in their backing of the team and the club. And he's, I know that he was a little bit, uh, not perturbed, but a little bit puzzled by the fact that our fans at times were a little quiet and with the criticism of some of the players. So we've got to get behind him, get a positive atmosphere. If we want the team to be positive, then they've got to play in a positive atmosphere. There you have it in your complete season preview. All off the chest, flushed out the system, and we'll be back to business with our regular build-up show, this time for Burnley later this week. But for now, I think, join us. I think we're just about ready to ride that red and white roller coaster once again. <laughs>